directly to God, right out of the dictionary. And there are some synonyms right out of the dictionary there as well. It's reverence and worship and adoration and devotion and praise and respect and honor. There were many, many more. But it's interesting how the difference between thanks and thanksgiving is significant. In the Bible, the meaning of thanksgiving reflects adoration and sacrifice and praise and thanksgiving was a grateful language to God as an act of worship. And rarely, if ever, actually I found it one time in the Bible where thanksgiving was extended to a person. And that was the case when, when um, the Jews who were persecuting Paul there in Acts, they went before one of the heathen kings. They had to appear before the king because... The king was protecting Paul. I think it was Felix. It was one of those. And they flattered the king before they spoke. You know, just here, we want a year to hear, but we don't want to weary you with long words. But we are so thankful. We are somewhat thankful for you. And that the only time that that word, uh, uh, Eucharist or whatever, is used towards a man. Every other time it's connected to God. But mankind can use it when they flatter or give honor to a man, maybe beyond what they should. So, an example, and there's very, very, very many examples of thanksgiving to God. But let's turn to Psalms 100 this morning. And we'll just look at this psalm briefly, fairly briefly, before we go on to some others. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. And there are many, many psalms. Now, I'm going to just break this down. Verses 1 and 2 are a call to worship. And I want you to listen to that call. There's a call to worship. So make, make a joyful noise. So make a joyful noise. So we all make noise. A making is an adverb, and we make joyful noises, but it makes a joyful noise unto the Lord. But not just us. It says, all ye lands. Okay, so make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord So serve him with gladness. Come. Come before his presence. But come before his presence with singing. So that's the call. That's the call to worship. It's make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord. Come before his presence with singing. And then verse 3 is the basis for that worship. Why should we worship the Lord? Well, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. In other words, he is our creator. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture, which also means he's not just our creator, but he's our redeemer. Creator, redeemer. Then in verse 4, the psalmist issues another call, another call to worship. Enter, enter into his gates 
with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And in verse 5, he explains the basis for that thanksgiving. Why should we enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise his name and be thankful? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. A psalm of thanksgiving to God. Isaac Watts put this psalm to verse. Isaac Watts was a psalmist. <laughs> he, he, as a child, he put, he, he thought in rhyme. He got into trouble. He, his dad finally told him to stop it and he said, reportedly so, he, he was scolded for always rhyming everyday language, so he said, Oh, Father, do some pity take, and I will no more verses make. And didn't work very well. One time he, he they were praying. It was, he was a very religious. His dad was a nonconformist, which means they were a persecuted minority in England there. And prayers were very, very uh, serious events in their house. And he laughed during family prayer one time. And that is that that's a no no and well the reason he laughed is because he had peaked and uh, I don't know how their house was set up, but there was a rope to go upstairs to the bedroom upstairs, whatever they have any stairs. Had a rope to go upstairs, uh, children, not us. <laughs> and there's a mouse went up the the rope when they were praying and he giggled and laughed and so then his dad taught him Pulled him to the carpet, and he said, um, "The dear mouse, for lack of stairs, went up the rope to say its prayers, or something like that." <laughs> so that was that was Isaac Watts, very interesting man, I'm sure. But here he actually took this Psalms 100, and he put it to verse. And just listen to it, and you're going to repeat it before Jehovah's awful throne. Ye nations bow with sacred joy. Know that the Lord is God alone. He can create and he destroy. His sovereign power without our aid made us of clay and formed us then. And when like wandering sheep we strayed, he brought us into his fold again. Redemption. We'll crowd thy gates with thankful songs, high as the heavens our voices raise, and earth with her ten thousand tongues shall fill thy courts with sounding praise. Wide as the world is thy command, vast as eternity thy love, firm as the rock thy truth must stand when rolling years shall cease to move. Just a repetition of that praise and thanksgiving to God. So, so far we have learned that thanksgiving means that if we, it means more if we include thanks living. We have learned that thanks is an expression of gratitude and thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude especially to God. And the psalm we have read tells us how to thank God and tells us why. So that should be enough. We could all go home, and we could all live this out, and we'd be a thankful people. 
if we but grasp that very thing. But that's not quite how life is. So I could see, I could just say, nice seeing you, have a good week. But life is, well, it's more than that. That's not always my experience, probably not always yours. In fact, there are some people who wrote some other poems and put some other rhymes together that were not as honorable as Isaac Watts. So I'd like to ask you whether this is your experience rather than Isaac Watts' experience. In country, town, or city, some people can be found who spent their lives in grumbling at everything around. Oh yes, they always grumble no matter what we say, for these are chronic grumblers and they grumble night and day. I'm glad it's in the they, right, aren't you? <laughs> Um, it's not I. They grumble at their husband, they grumble at their wife, they grumble at their children, it is their way of life. They grumble at their parents, they grumble in their schools, they grumble at their teachers, and they grumble at the rules. Right? <laughs> they grumble in the city, they grumble at the, on the farm, they grumble at their neighbors, and they think it is no harm. They grumble when it's raining, they grumble when it's dry, they grumble all the year round. Yes, they grumble till they die. And of course, they grumble on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, grumble on Thursday too, grumble on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, grumble the whole week through. Well, you say, well, that's not me. <laughs> I don't grumble like that. Yes, yeah, well, maybe I do grumble sometimes, but no, not like that. That's not me. I'm not thankful all the time, but neither do I grumble like that. So how about this one? I got one in between. Well, I don't know if it's in between. It might be just as bad. So I'll read this one. It's not a poem. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted. To be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. And finally, my life was over, and I never got what I wanted. Now, this is a contrast between thankfulness and someone who is lacking, who is a void, is missing something major in their life. And I this morning about the heart, that I, that's the major void in there. And, and our culture feeds that because we, for, for one thing, we are naturally, by nature, we're ungrateful people. That's, that's nature. And I'm thankful. And then we're fed, we're told we deserve it, whatever that is. It's our right, 
that we are victims and that we are we have not or we're not being treated with dignity or respect and, and, and all those things. And it feeds our innate dissatisfaction and discontent with our lot of life. So there are those of us who look at life as a cup that's half empty and those of us who look at life as a cup that's half full. But how about experiencing life as a cup that's overflowing? How about that? Because that's what thankfulness is. It's, it's coming out of an overflowing cup. That's thankfulness. <clears throat> so, thanksgiving, I had this saying somewhere, begins... With acknowledging God as faithful, earnestly giving him thanks in advance for his abundant blessings. Of course, we can do it also for his past blessings, but giving it in advance. Sending everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. Thanksgiving is an attitude of the heart that reinforces an intimate relationship with God. So, now we're going to look at the New Testament for some instruction from God concerning thanks and thanksgiving. And uh, it's, I'm going to take it all out of that one word. It's several different forms. The Eucharist, which is some people call their communion, the Eucharist. It's a thanksgiving. Um, it's all out of that word. I think it was 54 times in the New Testament. So, first, we'll focus on thanksgiving or the lack thereof. Uh, the first is a focus on the thanksgiving or lack thereof, and then the last part will be more of a focus on some practical outworkings of that thanksgiving. So number one is thanksgiving in prayer. Prayer is more than thanksgiving. But prayer is an integral component of uh, thanksgiving. is an integral component of prayer. So, you can turn to, well, yeah. You can, uh, I don't know, you don't need to turn to these. We're going we're gonna to settle on some later on. But 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, is Paul says, I exhort therefore that, first of all, prayers, uh, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. This is a prayer that Paul is praying. For kings and for the order and authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And then the one we just read in Philippians 4, 6. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Christians pray. Christians do not pray enough. Probably not. I think I could say that. But we have burdens. Sometimes we are stricken with grief. We experience failure and loss. The immediate future or the long-term future can look very, very bleak to us. And people turn against us or they fail us. Sickness, all of a sudden, 
roars at us. And you have to face it. The church goes the wrong way. The nation crumbles. What shall we do? Well, part of it is prayer. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In the middle of whatever the worst situation you can think of, putting a fire out, <laughs> pretty desperate. Prayer includes thanksgiving as an integral part of it. Don't overlook. It's as important as supplication. You see, in the midst of our trouble, there is God. And where there's God, there's hope. And where there's God, there's mercy. And where there is God, there is truth. Where there is God, there is an answer. There's a future. You can turn to Psalms 23. And here we find David <clears throat> marveling at God's mercy and goodness. And we won't read the beginning part. You know, he says, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a definitely a psalm of where he feels God is supplying his needs. And then he goes on to talk. And in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like I said, there are those of us who look at life as a cup half empty, and there are those of us who look at life as a cup half full. We hear that saying, you know, either you're an optimist or a pessimist. But the psalmist, in this difficult time of life, when he talks about enemies, when he talks about the valley of the shadow of death, he's still talking about a cup that's overflowing, and that is coming from God. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. How can you and I look at life in the middle of various trying situations and still have a cup that overflows? It comes from God, nowhere else. It's because of God, it's good, because he is faithful. Because God will persevere, we can in faith be thankful in all our circumstances. You know, there's a reason why this psalm is printed on so many of those funeral, um, is it the obituary? What do you call that little flyer that you get? Is it the obituary? Whatever it is. Um, there's a reason for that. It's a, it's a psalm of confidence in God. So, a cup that overflows, thanksgiving in prayer. It's actually difficult to separate Prayer from thanksgiving in the scripture or anywhere. In other words, wherever you have thanksgiving in the scripture, it's connected to God or to prayer. <clears throat> Except for that heathen king that I had mentioned before. 
Now, the best known verses on thankfulness in the Bible is probably the one that we teach our children first. Those short sayings in the end of Second of First Thessalonians. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God <laughs> in Christ Jesus concerning you. We do not give God thanks for everything. We do not give thanks to God for everything. We do not give thanks to God for a child that goes astray. Or for a war or rape or plunder. Or varies, whatever you want to say. You, we do not thank God for those things. And God is not asking us to thank him for those things. God is saying, in everything, give thanks. Have that kind of life, connection, and confidence in God that in the middle of that, you can give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I don't think you can get any more clear command than that. It's not just a command. It's that command. It's the will of God. It's in Christ Jesus. And it's concerning you. <laughs> you just can't add more words to that. But there are things that we weep over. Jesus wept as well. But in the middle of it, it is God's will that we still give thanks there are many things to always be thankful for. We are in the day of grace. God being who he is, he is our first and is our last object of our thanksgiving. There are many gifts and there are many blessings he has given to us. There's never a time nor a place for us not to be thankful. Uh, point number two is thanklessness is wicked. So now we have looked at thanks, thankfulness in prayer, which is the Christian. Now we're going to look at thanklessness in the heathen. You can turn to Romans chapter 1, and many of you probably know what I'm referring to already if I say the scripture reference. But we're going to read a passage, and we're going to see the connection of thanklessness in a heathen's life, in unbelievers' lives, in wicked people's lives. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And there is our Eucharist, our word. They were not thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God 
into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to the uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Not to be thankful to God is to fail to glorify and honor and worship God. And being that we are create creatures that we are made to worship, we can't help it. There's something going to be on the throne of that heart, right? <laughs> we are create, we are made to worship, and if God is not there, if we do not worship the creator, we will worship the creature on one form or another. And it goes downhill from there. You know, in those, there's a horrible list of sins listed in, um, in, uh, second, no, yeah, second Timothy, second Timothy chapter three, in the beginning of that chapter, I'll just read a few of them. There's a whole list of the sins that are listed in those awful bad last days, those pearliest times. So there's a list. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. There it is. It's wickedness to be unthankful. To grumble all the time from Monday to Sunday. To, to be discontent and unsatisfied and not recognize God is a very, very wicked thing. So as thankfulness is the default position of the prospering believer, unthankfulness is the default position of the prospering unbeliever. I was going to say, put it, we're going to put them that way because I know that in the middle they can have some overlap because not all believers are prospering and they may not be uh, thankful as we ought to be, which is probably true of most of us. In, and um, and if we go on with that list, we come to some more sins. And it, it's it's interesting that uncleanness we there in Romans one, and there's other places too where uncleanness and unthankfulness goes together. <laughs> and thankfulness is a contrast to the uncleanness. Let's let's read there. Uh, the clearest example I found is in Ephesians chapter five, and I want you to turn there. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll start at verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. In other words, as followers of God, we ought to live like saints. Fornication and uncleanness, which is every other kind of sexual sin, or covetousness, which is meant basically greediness, it's not fitting for God's people at all, at all, at all. 
and it goes on, neither filthiness nor foolish or silly or dirty talking nor jesting, which is, could be obscenities, which are not convenient. They're not fitting for a believer, but rather giving of thanks. So you have all those things. You have uncleanness, fornication, covetous, filthiness, foolish talking, and jesting. They're not fitting. They're not fitting for a Christian to think about, to do, or to talk about. Those things are not fitting for a Christian. They're off. But let me tell you what is fitting for a Christian. Thanksgiving is fitting, rather giving of thank, because that is fitting. Uh, a paraphrase states it this way. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. So one of the real indications that a person's life has been touched and changed and is really blessed by the grace of God is the thankfulness coming out of that person. It is an indication. <clears throat> overflowing with thankfulness. They're just thankful. Thankfulness is the song of the Christian. Grumbling, complaining, anger, victimization, that is part of the dialect of the unbeliever, not the believer. So thanklessness is wickedness. Now we'll shift our focus a little bit towards Thanks living. And so we're going to get some practical in, in some areas right from the scripture. Number three would be thankfulness for our food. Now it's very specific. We're thankful for everything God gives us, but it's actually specified specifically in the scripture. And in fact, the first time that the word, that word, uh, Eucharist, in its various forms is used, is when Jesus uses it. Matthew 15, verses 35 and 36. First used in the New Testament. Jesus is faced a dilemma, and they didn't have any food, so he said, oh, there's somebody here. We have seven Loaves of bread, and we have a few little fishes. So Jesus commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and he Eucharist it. He gave thanks. And then he broke it, and he gave to disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. So Jesus gave thanks to God, to the Father, before he ate. And since Jesus is not a hypocrite, we say Jesus is not a hypocrite. Was Jesus thankful? If he gave thanks, he was thankful, right? Jesus was thankful for that food. And it was a simple meal. It was a meal of fish and bread. I doubt whether they had all the lemon and the spices and the, I don't know what all you put on fish or bread. I don't know what they had. Jams and probably didn't have a lot of fixings. They were hungry, they needed nourishment, 
And there was nothing but this small amount, and for this he was thankful. So, is that an example for us to be thankful whatever we have, whether it's a spread or whether it's a basic, well, leftovers, let's say it that way. Thankful for our food. Jesus was thankful for a simple meal. Well, we say, and, and, and we pray, we pray to God before we eat, right? We say grace, and that is a excellent, excellent habit. In fact, it's the pattern of Scripture as we see it. But some people might say, "Well, this was a special event." Well, let's look at some more. You can turn to Acts chapter twenty-seven. See another example of Eucharist. Thankfulness for our food, starting at verse 33, and this is when Paul was in the middle of that ship in that storm where they had given up hope they were going to be shipwrecked, and verse 33, and when the day was coming on, they were going to be shipwrecked, Paul knew that. Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the fourteenth day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not one hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat, and they all and they were... Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. Prayed, and then ate, publicly. Do you pray publicly in a restaurant? Is that okay to do? (laughs) Before you eat. I wonder what percentage of God's people do that. Are you embarrassed to do that? It didn't seem like Paul was embarrassed. It seemed like he did it. Uh, I, I'm not saying you should stand up in a, in a restaurant and then you should just bless that everybody's glad. I don't know. Not, not that. But don't be ashamed to really thank God, whether it's public or not. Thank God before we eat. Well, there's actually, Paul speaks of some wicked people who would forbid God to eat, uh, people to eat certain foods. So, um, we're gonna, we're going to talk, we're gonna look a little bit, a little bit different angle right now. First Timothy, chapter four, and you can, you should turn there if you have your Bible. First Timothy, chapter four, verses three to five. Talking about food again, and talking about Thanksgiving. Talking about certain people, the Spirit is saying expressly in the latter days that some will depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created, to be received with thanksgiving 
the same word, Eucharist, of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it, that food, is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. (laughs) How clear can we get? Thanksgiving and prayer, it's sanctified, it's set apart, the whole thing is there. So receiving food with thanksgiving is definitely a spiritual, biblical truth. And praying to God and thanking him before eating is an example that we have. It's not a church standard. We are not going to discipline you if you eat your food without praying first. That's not part of our church. I haven't seen one that actually has said, oh, maybe there is some. I don't know. You, we do not say you must pray before you eat or we will pull you on the carpet. <laughs> Rather, out of the expression of your heart, may God work in your heart in such a way that you are always thankful before you eat, regardless whether, it, like I said, it's a spread or something left over. Having a thankful heart to God is the focus here. Now, right with this verse here, I'm going to take a little rapid trail on this point of people forbidding to eat meats. The vegan and vegetarian movement is growing by leaps and bounds in this nation. I I, I got some different facts, but the best I could tell, it has grown from 1% in 2014, there are people identified as vegan, to somewhere between 4 and 6%. And most of that is in the trendy, the, the celebrity and the rich people and the, that kind of, it, it's, has, and those are the ones that usually set the stage of what people look up to because they are the movers and shakers of, they're a pop culture, that's what it is. Pop culture is going vegan. Okay. Some of them anyhow. And there are many reasons to choose carefully what you eat. There are lots, there are reasons you should eat lots of certain foods and restrict yourself as others. And you go out to the grocery store here at Dutch Way. I don't mind if you restrict yourself and you abstain from 90% of what's in that store. You can abstain from 90% of what's in that grocery store and you'll be okay. You'll be just fine. Because there's a lot of food that is not actually food. But to reject and call evil meats and foods that God created for our benefit is to be ungrateful and unthankful. And I hear rippling of that around our circles. I'm not real familiar with it, but I hear ripplings of it. And I don't know enough about it that I can actually speak about it. I just hear it. So I just put a word out and I don't have to talk about it. What I, and I don't know what the reasons are for sure, except maybe there's some Eastern religion connected with it, but it's, it's not far outside our circles, maybe even inside. What I want to conclude with this one point this morning is remind us what God says. Every creature 
of God is good and nothing to be refused. Just remember that and you got it. I don't have to say anything more. But back on track. Pray to God and thank him every time before you eat. So, saying grace before a meal is not just a good habit or a good tradition. It is the will of God. And it's not the will of God that we grumble about our food. Now, time for one more poem. Thank God for dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While other folks are going hungry, we are eating very well. With home and health and happiness, we should not want to fuss, for by this stack of evidence, God has been very good to us. Thankfulness for our food. Okay, number four, Thanksgiving in church. Thanksgiving in church. Thanksgiving was a normal part of the early church when they got together for worship. Did you know that? Part of their worship service is described in 1 Corinthians. I don't know if you have to uh, turn there. I'll just read it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6 and 16 and 17. Paul is, well, I'll read it. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy Giving of thanks, that's the word Eucharist, at that giving of thanks. There's a Eucharist happening in the, in the church service. Seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest, for thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. Now Paul in this context describes some things that should not go on in the church, and he describes some things that should go on in the church. And he describes a part of their service when there is a normal giving of thanks. So in the middle of this correction that he's giving them, sorting that out, he affirms that part of the early church service was the public giving of thanks, and that was a good thing to do when it was done correctly. And people responded to the thanksgiving by affirming its truth, and they could say, Amen, Amen. The early church exercised itself in thankfulness, which is only a proper and appropriate response to the grace and love and the mercy of God. So now I want to put a bug in our ear. May I? <laughs> we have a somewhat of a limited response congregationally here, I think, of the publicly exercising of thanksgiving. <laughs> If I were asked for a raise of hands, how many of you would agree with me? We actually do have a time set apart for that. And and um, we have the early church example that they did it. They gave thanks, and if you did it correctly... Everybody was edified. If you did it incorrectly, then the edification wasn't going on. So, can we see 
that maybe we have a lack or a need for a more th- we need have a need for a more thorough exercise of this privilege and duty. So I'm going to putting a bug in your ear or maybe a stab in your heart. Whatever it takes, I would love to see a more robust public sharing in our congregation. Thanksgiving in church, very biblical. You do not need to be a public speaker to give thanks in church. You do not have to have it all together. You do not have to put on a performance. What do you need? What do you need? You need to have experienced the grace of God in your life, in your heart. Of the many things, one of the many things that the grace of God does is it expresses itself in thanksgiving. So if you have experienced the grace of God, and we should all be experiencing the grace of God all the time, sometimes more, sometimes less, but we should be experiencing God's grace, his goodness, his mercy, his input in our lives. And an expression of that grace that we are experiencing is is thankfulness. That's an expression, a natural expression. So we come together and... We have experienced the grace of God and share it. You don't need to be a public speaker. You don't need to put on performance. Share what God has done, is doing, or hey, you can share your struggles. You can yeah, anything, but Thanksgiving is part of it. And those who hear that Thanksgiving coming from the, the experience of grace and a heart, that person experiences the grace of God, shares it in thanksgiving, that witnesses to the other people because they are, they are connected to the grace of God and say, yes, that's, that's right. That's how God works. And, and there's edification it's everywhere. The person who gives is edified, the person who listens is edified, and then you can say, amen, amen. <laughs> so, that's what church is for. Not everything, but that is some of what church is for. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto loving good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together at the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So there are those who look at life as a cup is half empty. There are those who look at life as a cup half full. And then there are those who walk with God and have a cup that overflows. How about that? (laughs) So, this is a season of thanksgiving. May it be a normal experience of our life. And may it come out in thanks living. And I have one more saying that I found that gives an illustration of thanksgiving by H.W. Beecher, probably one of those old English preachers, I believe. If one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my eyes and search for them with my clumsy fingers, but be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep through it and how it would draw to itself the almost invisible particles by the mere power of attraction. So take the magnet through 
and it takes it. The unthankful heart, like my fingers in the sand, discovers no mercies. But let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, that thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. Only the iron in God's sand is gold. It's the grace of God. A thankful heart will determine what you get with your walk with God. And the unthankful heart will not discover that grace of God. So that's all of my exhortation this morning on thanksgiving and thanks living. Why don't we just kneel for a word of prayer and why don't we thank the Lord and maybe later you can give some opportunity to give thanks publicly. (laughs) Lord, we are grateful to you. Even as we come to you this morning, sensing our need, our lack of thankfulness many, many, many times in our lives. Lord, as we have looked into your word and as we look to you and look at you and look at what you have done and stop looking at the things around us and the waves and so on, Lord, then we see how wrong we have been and we come to you, Lord, to worship you and to thank you for your goodness. Lord, there are things that we are struggling with. There are things in our lives that are not the way it should be around us and and maybe even inside our own life. But Lord, you are God, and you have created us, you have redeemed us, we are the sheep of your pasture. You are good, and you are eternal, your truth will endure, you will not give up on us, Lord, and we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, I pray for each one of us, make us a thankful people, help us to recognize in the day-to-day moments of life, the many times you protect us. You shield us, you uphold us, you give us strength, and Lord, and help us then to shun, shun the evil and the unthankfulness that we have read about. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.